what's good everybody it's your boy dre and you are listening to urban ambassadors where we represent and speak up for the underrepresented and the underrated through diplomatic and theocratic discourses big shout out to my kinfolk mundo music on the track let's What's good, family? Hope everybody's doing well. Please remember, if you tuned in to um, previous episodes, here on Urban Ambassadors, it is important, it is imperative that we represent the kingdom of God. And we do that unashamedly by way of unequivocally speaking the truth that we can't forget. We also do it by being unapologetically black. It is what it is. Um, that's actually a, a pretty good segue into a thought that I would like to share with you all, those who may be listening to this podcast right now. And it is a thought that I was reflecting on probably about two weeks ago, somewhere around there. And I was kind of wrestling with the idea of, or the principle or, or what have you of identity. Like, like who am I? How do I see myself? How do others see me? How does God see me? Are there any contradictions as it relates to how I see myself and who who God has declared um, that I am. And, and, and am I too caught up on how other people see me versus uh, not being caught up enough on how God sees me? And for me, first and foremost, because I've given my life to Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm a son, a child of God. I've been redeemed. I'm a follower. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. The, the, the premise, the foundation of my identity is being a Christian. I'm not talking about in a religious sense. I'm talking about in a relational sense. Christian. I am Christ-like. Being formed into the image of Christ. To do what he did. To live how he lived. Um, and to be salt. And to be light on the earth. That's that's Christ. That That's what it means to be like Christ. And that's a very simple perspective one of many perspectives but at the same time i'm i'm black you know as i like to say unapologetically black you know blackity black 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 and so uh, the question is does my blackness um, work in tandem if you will with my christ-likeness um Recently, and I think this is why I was wrestling with this a few weeks ago. I can't remember what I was watching or what I was listening to. But there seems to be um, in certain spaces or coming from certain people and or perspectives or cultures that that you have to separate the two. Um, either you walk in your ethnic identity alone, but you have to do that apart from your spiritual identity um, or you walk in your spiritual identity alone but you you can't you can't mix that mix that with your ethnic identity um, but I would like to argue that we are all created in the image of of God and it is because of God our heavenly Father that we have the ethnic identities that we have 
I won't go into it, but I really believe that God is, is such a diverse God. He himself lives in community and in diversity, being the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't want to get into the theological nuances of that, but, but just, just keep that in mind. So therefore, um, we live, we function according to how God created us, and that is expressed by way of different tribes, nations, and tongues. Revelation 7 and 9. So I said way more than I was planning to say, but I, as I wrestled with, with this, um, a thought came to mind, and then I wrote it down, and let me share it with you. Here's what I said, and here's what I wrote. I'm a Christian, and I'm black. I'm a unapologetic black man who's an unashamed Christian. My spiritual identity is in Christ Jesus and my ethnic identity is black. I'm not one or the other. I'm both and. I will unequivocally say that my blackness doesn't supersede my Christ likeness, but my Christ likeness can undoubtedly work with my blackness my christianity is lived out through my blackness and my blackness is expressed and celebrated in my christianity because my blackness is created in the image of god and i've been redeemed by jesus's blood as a christian who's black i'm diverse not homogenous i'm expansive not monolithic so i don't know if you're like me and you've wrestled with um, this particular aspect of identity but i'm hoping that what i said and in my wrestling match with this with this thought with this idea could could help you in some shape form or fashion hey you know on this show i, I like to give book recommendations and i like to share what i'm reading Finally finished up the book that I was reading called Urban Apologetics by Eric Mason. Phenomenal book. Go pick it up. But now, uh, this week, I started reading a book called, wait for it, uh, please don't get offended by the title, but the book is called, Is Christianity the White Man's Religion? <laughs> now, obviously, the answer to that question is no. We need to understand that that question um, is a question that has been asked for quite some time. And there are reasons why that question has been asked. But to believe that Christianity is the white man's religion is to believe in a myth. It's not even to believe in something that is subjective. It is to believe in something that is just outright falsehood. Once again, the title of the book is Christianity, the White Man's Religion. Subtitle, How the Bible is Good News for People of Color. And it is written by a gentleman named Antipas L. Harris. I'm almost through with it. Um, it's a really good book. It's a very easy read. He goes into a lot of historical facts um, that can help answer the question, but also gives context as to why this question about is Christianity, the white man's religion, even a question. Um, learning some things that I didn't know. Uh, most definitely, it's a book that can equip you from a hermeneutical perspective. Hermeneutical being, you know, how you, the, the tool or the mechanism used to interpret the Bible. It can help you from a theological perspective. You know, what does God say? How does God feel about this racialized issue? And, and, and practically and, and, and culturally and ethnically, it can help you as well, um, especially if you're a person of color and, and, and you're wrestling with the question that I wrestled with a few weeks ago um, in terms of me being black and Christian and, and those things being congruent and, and God still being glorified in that. All right. So I decided to do this episode like uh, very randomly um, and and. I'm still kind of new to this whole podcast thing. And, and for me, I really in, like when I'm listening to podcasts, I really enjoy podcasts when there are multiple people speaking 
and, and sharing perspectives. Um, and I don't think I've listened to a podcast where it was just one person talking. I know I have done an episode where it was just me, but I featured questions that were submitted by a few of my listeners. Um, and so I kind of was like, man, is, is the podcast going to be boring if it's just me talking? It's kind of weird for me to just sit in front of this microphone and just talk, 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 talk. And there are no other voices contributing to the conversation. So I had to kind of get past um, the meticulous nature of, of, of my thinking and say, you know what? If, if, I, if there's something on my heart that's very pressing that I want to share, um, something that's going on with me specifically, um, if I don't have the access to a person in that moment to join the conversation, then it won't hurt for me to just jump on and share what's on my heart, share what's on my mind, just to get it out um, so people can hear and can chime in, you know, um, it, in whichever way they're able to chime in, whether it be, you know, comments um, as I post it on my Instagram or Facebook or whether it be texting me or calling me directly, obviously, if we have that relationship. But um, so let, let me jump into kind of what's what's on my mind right now. Um, something I've been sitting on for a few weeks now. The, the, the topic of discussion or, or this monologue, if you will, is talking to kids about racism. Talking to kids about racism. So here is why I'm doing this podcast. Or, or shall I say how, how this particular episode was birthed or, or the cause of me wanting to jump on and, and share something that, that came up. And then, you know, we'll expound on it or whatnot. A few weeks ago, my nine-year-old son, he's just nine years old, guys. Uh, we're in the crib. We're chilling. <laughs> just a normal day in the Washington household. <laughs> Nothing extracurricular going on. No sidebar conversations. Just a normal day in the Washington household. And my oldest son, my nine-year-old son, um, he randomly, and I mean randomly, came from the back in his room. He walked up to me. I was in the living room. And he said, Dad, I got a question. <laughs> well, my oldest son comes at me that way I'm... I'm like, okay, where is this kid finna go? This is going to be something that, A, I just don't feel like talking about. B, probably don't have the answer to. Because at times I really think my nine-year-old is a lot smarter than me. <laughs> and C, uh, man, I'm just I'm just tired. And I may not have the mental capacity to, to serve him well um, in this moment, you know, because I probably won't even be able to answer this question because I'm just I'm just checked out. I'm tired, frustrated, whatever the case may be. So he goes, Dad, I got a question. I said, all right, son, what's your question? Keep in mind, I had no idea what he was getting ready to ask me. And he said, what caused white people to hate black people? And if you can imagine, step into my shoes for a second. I, I paused for quite some time and I just looked at him. Now, let, let me say this. Um, if to my white brothers and sisters, if, if you happen to be tuning in and listening to this particular episode, let, let me make a few things clear. If, if, if you know me well, then I'm not really concerned about how you may um, perceive um, the content of this episode. Now, if you know me well, I know we good and you won't take things the wrong way. Even if you felt a little uncomfortable with the question that my son asked or a little, uh, uh, or you may be feeling a little dis-ease as to why my son, a little black boy who's nine years old, would ask a question like that. Like, what in the world? It's his mom and dad teaching him. Are they talking about white people all day? And are they saying that we're bad? No, that's that's not what's happening in the Washington household. Once again, if you know me well, I know that won't be an issue for you. But if you don't know me at all, if you have no context as to who Andre D. Washington is, please know 
that I'm not um, teaching my children um, how to be prejudiced. You know, I'm not I'm not pontificating um, while I'm walking around the house in ways that will cause my children to have a bias, you know, <laughs> against uh, our white brothers and sisters. If anything, what I teach my children is unity. What I teach my children is racial reconciliation um, with a biblical worldview, with, with a theological foundation. So just keep that in mind. Now, do I talk to my children about racism? Yes. Have I shared historical facts with my children about racism? Yes. Um, have I bought them books that celebrates and uplifts and affirms their dignity as, as black people? Yes. Do they have a, a an understanding um, as it relates to the racial tension that has existed uh, in our country for centuries upon centuries upon centuries? Yes. I would say to some extent that my children are, are, are self-aware um, and they are socially aware. They have a consciousness. Okay. I am teaching my children what uh, W.E.B. Du Bois um, talks about. Um, the the double consciousness of the black man, if you will. I hope I is it the boys or the bowls? I don't know. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the double consciousness of the black man, meaning that African Americans living in America have to be conscious about conscious about their identity as black people and where we stand historically um, and in modern day times. You know, and, and and affirming ourselves and having dignity despite the trauma and the travails of our ancestors and even our brothers and sisters who have uh, recently passed away or, or have felt the negative effects or lost their lives due to the negative effects or outcomes of white supremacy. But also with that double consciousness comes understanding where we stand or how we are viewed by our counterparts and being able to to walk in that tension and still maintain a level of dignity okay the double consciousness of the black man black person so yes i i am i am teaching my children these things so they can be awakened to the reality which is a harsh reality so they can be prepared for it okay um even my oldest son chancellor he himself has experienced, I'm just going to call it racism. Um, I'm not saying that um, the kid that he was interacting with was a racist. However, what what the kid did and said to my nine-year-old son most definitely was he perpetuated in a, in a very subtle way. Um, racism for sure uh, or, or racial bias if you will um, my son was on the playground um, minding his business having a good time with his friends and white kid walks up and just stands there and is just looking at you know my son and his friends um, one of those friends who happens to be another African American boy other two kids white so tight my, my 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 son's like his his little uh core group of friends if you will like his little inner circle of friends you know tight-knit group of of, of uh, great young men school in, in school keep in mind you're talking about school age kids so on the playground chilling minding their business white kid walks up just staring at him um from what i was told it was a very socially awkward moment and my son's group of friends began to ask this kid to, hey, you know, fall back. You know, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are you just staring at us, st uh, standing there? Like, you know, kind of leave us alone. Plus, they have previous, have experienced um, previous situations where their interaction with this kid wasn't the best. Okay. Now, just to be clear, I, I spoke with my son about this and I said, hey, you guys just can't 
tell somebody to, to fall back. I, it may have been weird, but man, like ask him what does he want or ask him if he wanted to play. You know, like don't just tell him to, you know, fall back. That's not fair. That's not cool. It, I, it could come off as mean and I could see why that kid may have been offended or his feelings may have been hurt. Um, so my son, unfortunately, he, he made the com- he was kind of the, the leading voice um, by saying, hey, you know, can you he said he said it politely. I'm not saying it was right, but he, he said he politely asked the kid to, hey, can you stop following us around? So the white kid said to my black kid, um, the kid leaned forward and he began to sniff and he said, mm. and, and he leaned towards my son and said, I smell racism. So, I don't know what what prompted that kid to do that or to say that. I don't know why he um, directed it towards my child. Um, well, duh, my child the one spoke up. Well, of course, he directed it towards my child. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was it was a weird situation. Um, and I'm I'm going on a I'm going on a big tangent right now, but it's all good. <laughs> and so I, I decided to address it with the kid's parent. Um, and I'll just say that the response wasn't what I was hoping for, and I was very careful and very tactful in my choice of words and as I address this with this parent and I politely and kindly and, and gently ask them to please uh, while we were not going to jump conclusions and, and, and believe something about this kid um, who made this racially biased comment to my son who's black uh, we're not going to jump to conclusions and put a label on this kid or your family. While I am slightly concerned as to where did that comment come from, you know, um, what is the root of that comment? We're not going to do that. But can you please just talk to your son about the severity of of those types of comments and why that's wrong? So the response I got back from the parent was we talked to him extensively but he also let us know about some things that happened that caused him to be upset now let me tell you why that bothered me because right in that moment while i could have been the the angry black man if you will and went off and said, you guys are racist. And what are you teaching your kid? And he doesn't like black people. You don't like black. I could have did all of that. But I wanted to be equitable in my plea for reconciliation and justice. Okay. What happened to my ch- black child was was just dismissed immediately. And it, and it became about the feelings of the white kid. And not how that comment could have traumatized or troubled my child thank god i have spent time talking to my sons about these issues so they know how to handle it because my son's response to me was well daddy it seems as if he was trying to tell me that i was being racist and i don't think that was okay so so he was able to artic to interpret uh, what was going on without allowing it to offend him Yet, my son's feelings were dismissed and it became about um, the white kid's feelings and his feelings alone. Which tells me that, oh, his feelings mattered more in that situation even though he was in the wrong and he was the cause of the problem. Okay? So, let me get off my soapbox and let me recover or digress (laughs) from this deep rabbit hole that I just went down back to the question dad what caused white people to hate black people 
Once again, to my white brothers and sisters, I hope you hear me and hear me well. Um, please know that I teach my children to love everybody. Okay? To respect everybody. To embrace our differences and to recognize the different colors that exist <laughs> in this earth and on people and to celebrate those and to know that God created those colors and God created those cultures. Okay? So just, I don't want you to listen to this if you're white and go, oh, well, how can he be about racial reconciliation but he's teaching his kids to be racist? No. I don't know why my son asked that question. I don't know why. But but can I be frank? It's not a bad question to ask. And because of our history, you got to understand that that is a valid question to ask. Okay? Where it gets critical and where the paradigm can shift is how I respond, or in this case, responded to my child. When he asked that question, I have the opportunity, if I can just be uh, forthright, I have opportunity to make him hate white people, to teach him to hate white people, or to just have a basic understanding of historical truths and to equip him to handle how some white people may treat him now or in the future. But also to have an understanding that just because there were a lot of white people who did, in fact, and to this day still hate black people, it's not all white people. Okay? Keep that in mind. Hopefully what I said makes sense. Um, my response to him after I paused for quite some time, and I was taken aback, obviously, wondering where did this come from um, I said buddy here's what you need to understand please know that not all white people hate black people and I and I and I mentioned to, or shall I say I called to his attention that he has some great friends who are white our family has great friends who are white and so I wanted to make sure he understood that and he he, he confirmed that he did and I, I wanted to be mindful about age appropriateness. So when you're talking to kids, or if you have to talk to kids about racism, just consider their age in the context that they are in. I didn't want to hit them with anything too deep because he wouldn't understand. I wanted him to get the basics. So when you're talking to kids about racism, consider their age and the context that they are in okay um so because he's nine i said I, I think he can handle a few historical facts um but as it relates to having this conversation from a biblical worldview that's why especially with children because right now they're very vulnerable they're very gullible in a lot of different ways, but they're also extremely teachable. Okay? It was, and I hope I don't misquote this, but it was Frederick Douglass who said, um, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. So now with the kids, it's an opportunity to build them up, to train them up. In the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. But we can do that <laughs> from a Christ exalting or bibliocentric standpoint that still uh, holds on to or affirms. Dignity that exists within their culture and ethnicity. When I say bibliocentric, you know, um, Bible-centered, gospel-centered um, worldview or perspective or approach. 
So I told him, the second thing I said to him was, buddy, I could be wrong about this, but I actually don't think, and I said, I hope I'm wrong about this. I actually don't think that right off the bat, white people initially just hated our ancestors. They didn't understand our ancestors. They already had preconceived notions that they were more superior or better than our ancestors. And a lot of that had to do with because they've never seen anybody like our ancestors. It was it was new to them. A lot of the things that our ancestors did, the, the culture, it was it was new to them. And maybe white people, you know, uh, ancient Europeans thought that their way of life and the way that they did things and their culture was just more advanced and better. But I don't think it immediately started with hate. Once again, I could be wrong about that. Um, you know, but I don't know. So, But this is what I told him. Uh, I said, now, over time, because and another thing when you're talking to kids about racism don't minimize, downplay, or whitewash historical facts or truths. Just tell them how it is. They, they need to understand how severe and tragic it is. You know, they, they need to, and, and you have to discern how much weight they can bear, but they need to bear the weight of, of this conversation this reality they need to understand that it's serious okay but you have to discern how much can your kid or the or whatever or the kids that you're talking to how much can they handle okay what's appropriate for them to know how much context do you need to give them like i said my my kid is nine and i've had multiple conversations with him about this so i i was able to discern okay he can handle this what i'm getting ready to say um, and so I said, but over time, buddy, it did develop into hate. And I said, that's why our ancestors were killed and lynched. And I said, do you know what lynching is? And and he confirmed that he did. You know, it freaked them out, obviously, because lynching is, is such a such a horrific part of our history. Um, unfortunately, even to this day, lynching just has adapted and it looks differently. But anyway, it looks different. I mean. But anyway, I digress again. Um, I say, but maybe, hopefully, it didn't start off with hate. But over time, it did develop into hate. I said, then, and I said once again, not all white people, buddy. Not all white people. So, because he's nine and he's taking social studies classes, and unfortunately, I understand that a lot of what he may be getting in school has a very, uh, you. Uh, Eurocentristic, if you will, um, or, or when I say Eurocentristic, um, and I'm trying to sound a lot more smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, Eurocentristic, Eurocentrism, um, basically, uh, the premise being, you know, European, you know, or white. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to use some very uh, uh, soft language here. Um, White, you know, I'm sure he's getting that. So a lot of it may be whitewashed in terms of, of history. And if you don't know, whitewashing is not a racial epithet or anything like that. You know, anybody can whitewash anything. Um, so I'm not a, the term or the word. You can look it up. It's in a dictionary. It just means to dumb down, to downplay or to leave out or to amend things that should not be amended. As it relates to truth and history. <laughs> It is to make things ahistorical versus historical. Um, some of the things that may be getting may be whitewashed. So, once again, talking to kids about racism, don't downplay it. Just give it to them straight. Give them the facts. All right? Teach them now so they have an understanding. So they are equipped to, um, as scripture says, rightly divide the word of truth. Or truth as a whole. To understand and recognize truth versus what's false and what's not true. Um, 
So they'll just know what's what's happening, what's going on. And then it'll help them connect the ethical dots as they get older. Um, so I, I went back a little bit and I said, hey, Christopher, Christopher Columbus came over to the New World. And I and and he has a friend who's Native American. And I said, and I said the friend's name. I said, you know, you know, friends, inserts friend's name, you know, her her ancestors and which Native American. They were here first. <laughs> they were here first. I said, you know that right? He said, Yes. Um, I said, and Europeans, for whatever reason, you know, thought that they were better. Um, they viewed Native Americans as savages and as primitive beings. Um, they wanted to make Native Americans like them, European Christian folk, European church folk. See what I'm saying? And, and felt like they could be good servants and they could make them Christians. And, and make them walk away from how God created them ethnically and culturally. I don't think the Native Americans wanted to put up with that crap. And that turned into violence and people dying due to diseases and things like that. All because of white supremacy. It is what it is. This is what I said to my nine-year-old son. Then I said again, once again, not all white people. And I said, from then... Or before then, up until now, unfortunately, what has happened, son, is that our white brothers and sisters have, down throughout the centuries and the years, have taught their kids and their grandkids and so forth and so on. They've taught them, you know, how to dislike black people and then it developed into actual hate. And this is why you see, you know, the violence that you see now and the violence that we saw during slavery and Jim Crow and all those things. I said in somehow, some way, they made their way to Africa. Um, I talked to him about, you know, Europeans seeing the rich, the richness of African soil and the resources um, that are on the African continent. And then I told him, then they got greedy. And I said, and they needed, and I tried to, Put it in terms where he can understand. That's another thing about talking to kids about racism. Use, based on their age, use terms that they can understand. So I said, hey, they needed some money. You know, um, they, they wanted to make this new world, um, which is now America, really cool, but just for them. But they need money to do that. And they needed people to work. But because they wanted to keep the money, they didn't want to pay the people that work. So they kidnapped our ancestors. Who are already doing great things in the continent of Africa, I believe. And in history can show us that. Certain parts of Africa. Um, and they took them. And in the process, I told him our ancestors lost sight of who we who we were to some extent. They tried to change us, brainwash us. Of course, he's sitting there, his eyes all big. <laughs> And I had to keep saying it, but not all white people, buddy. I'm just going to be honest with you, friends. This It was a very tough and challenging conversation, to say the least. Um, and I said, God is not okay with this. He wasn't okay with it then. But for some reason, those white people thought that God was cool with it. I said, do you understand that God doesn't condone racism and us mistreating each other because we don't like the color of somebody else's skin? I said, even black folks, we, we shouldn't mistreat anybody because of the color of their skin. Do you understand that? He said, yes, sir. I understand that. Um, if he was a little older, you know, I probably could have. Went a few different ways, had a different approach, used a little bit more um, stronger language, if you will. Um, but yeah, you you gotta you gotta find a clever way <laughs> to to meet kids where they are developmentally and intellectually, socially and emotionally. You know, because I didn't want to say too much that would freak them out either. I wanted him to understand the harsh realities of racism. 
but I didn't want to freak them out either. So keep those things in mind as well when you are talking to kids about racism. So I'll let to say, I have also, so, so sitting that conversation aside with my son and, and that situation I spoke about that he experienced, sitting all that aside, I have talked to, because I get the privilege of working with school-age children, I have talked to school-age children, elementary school kids, about racism. Once again, to do that effectively and equitably, you, you, you step into their world and you find things that they are already accustomed to, things in their context, things that they see, things that they read, things that they listen to, situations that these kids find themselves in, and you use those things as um, as, as, as catapults, if you will, to, to launch into the conversation in ways where they can understand. Um, so talking to kids about it, it's, it's good to tell stories historical stories historical facts one thing one story one account that i like to talk about is, is is rosa parks you know kids can relate to public transportation riding on the bus you see what i'm saying so i would say things like hey let's say if we all were headed to school you know and we had to get on the school bus to get to school and for me, since I'm talking to a majority white audience, I flip the script a little bit. <laughs> and I say, and let's say me and people who look like me get on the bus. and We're hanging out. We're laughing. We're having a good time. And you, my friends who don't look like me, you know, you decide to get on the bus and we look at you and we tell you, you go to the back. You can't you can't play with us. How, how would you feel? You know, kids looking at you. That's how the white kids feel bad, Mister Washington. You know, like so. I do. I do kind of flip the script to to in order to pull the white audience into black trauma. Like you wouldn't want to feel the way that black people still feel to this day. But I don't, and not just with kids, but even with adults. When I'm having this conversation talking about racism i don't i try my best not to leave the conversation um without talking about what i like to call a gospel solution what does the gospel of jesus christ require of us as it relates to the racial conversation and racism and anti-racism work and racial reconciliation work I, I, so the solution for me, uh, as I give it to kids, is, hey, we stand up for one another. We don't do things that are separate, uh, from, from, separate us from, from one another. We, we, we play with people who don't look like us. We make friends with people who don't look like us. And if anybody else, even if it's our parents, tell us otherwise, we don't do that because we know that that breaks God's heart because he created all of us differently but equally and everybody deserves to be loved so if you don't want to be mistreated and thrown in the back of a school bus make sure that you don't treat people in that way so that's just like a practical example of how you can approach this conversation and talking to kids about it now Older kids, I've talked to a group of middle school and high school kids. For the most part, I can pretty much take it there with them, you know, and and talk to them like I would adults. Now, if I'm having a conversation with adults and we're talking about this and there seems to be a lot of contrarian thinking um, and, and, and folks just not on the same page or folks find them, you know, if I, if I notice folks just in the wrong and, and they're pushing ideologies that are just uh, antithetical to the gospel or to God's word, then then there may be those subtle pushbacks or rebukes or corrections. <laughs> but that's adults. But with kids, you know, middle school, high school kids or whatever, I won't say rebukes 
or pushbacks, but there's this this sense of let me let me uh, let's say that their ideology or their perspective is a bowling ball going down the lane, and that bad boy finna go to the left or the right, and it's finna fall in the gutter. Let let me be those those rails that you prop up, and let me keep them on track. So they can hit the, the the bowling pin that's in the center, and that bowling pin is is the truth. Okay, it's the truth. Here's what's happening. Here's what has happened. Here I is here how it affects African Americans, people of color. Here I here how it affects white people. Here's how we should respond to this. Here's how we can combat this. You know. Um, and and for me, when I talked to this middle school, high school group of kids, it was a diverse group. And and you could see it in the room. Like, all the black kids walked in the room, sat with each other, sat on one side. And all the white kids walked in the room, sat, each other, sat with each other, sat on the other side. And, and I said, hey, here's the first thing I noticed. It, we, it is a, how can I say this? Sometimes it is natural for us. We have the natural tendency sometimes to segregate ourselves. Segregation laws are done. Even though segregation still happens in some shape, forms, or fashions. It's a whole nother podcast. But we've developed the tendency to segregate ourselves. And I pointed that out to them. And even in their thinking, black kids looked at it one way, white kids looked at it another way. And there were a few white kids in the room who were very conscious. I know a lot of people don't like this word, but woke. You know, if you really understand. And by the way, if you really understand what woke really, really mean, you really shouldn't have an issue with the word. It just means to be socially aware. (laughs) To be awakened from dead and sinful thinking. To be able to see... The issue clearly and connect the dots, connect the problem to a solution. (laughs) To be able to see individual, interpersonal, and institutional injustice. And to know deep down in your soul, your heart of hearts, that is wrong. Woke. Okay. Wake up. So, yeah, interesting dynamic as I spoke to those kids. So, obviously, I can use stronger language when I'm talking to those kids. We can go a little deeper as it relates to historical facts. With younger kids, I, I don't, I may not mention something like the Confederacy and things like that in the Civil War. But with high school kids, most definitely we can talk about those things. So, it goes back to that age appropriateness. Um, so, I always keep that in mind when you're talking to kids about racism. You also have to think about, is it your kid that you're talking to or somebody else's kid that you're talking to? You have to think about, like in my case, um, a very unapologetic black man talking to a majority white audience of kids who are white. I got to think about that because some of their parents may think differently than me. And they're going to go home and say, Mr. Washington says that this, this, and like white people didn't like Rose Park. And they can take it all out of context and think I don't like white people and think I'm teaching these kids. Marxism and socialism and critical race theory and all this other crazy stuff and all these other crazy arguments that people are using to um, distract, um, divert, deter, and and deflect from what the real issue is, which is white supremacy and Christian nationalism and things of that nature. Whole nother podcast. Um, but yeah. That's about it, folks. That's that's what's been on my mind. That's that's what I wanted to hop on this podcast and share. Hey, if you know some creative ways to talk about racism to kids, listen. Please, if you know me, hit me up. Let me know. Leave a leave a comment in the comment section. <laughs> You know, whether it be on your the, the podcast platform that you listen to, Instagram, social media, I want to know. Help me out because while I'm consistently educating myself so I can be well-versed in this, so, so, I'm, so I'm making sure that I'm doing everything um, to contribute to human flourishing and unity 
and and racial reconciliation. I I don't I don't know it all. Okay, and you can't you can't do this work all by yourself either. Um, but yeah, this just just a just a perspective, just a perspective that I wanted to share with you all. So listen, let's let's make sure that we are doing all that we can, and whether if you're white or you're black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, you know, Ukrainian, Russian, whatever, no matter your ethnicity. Here's what's important. Considering that racism exists and it has not gone anywhere <laughs> and this issue ultimately won't be solved until Jesus Christ comes back. As parents, as adults, let's make sure um, that we are doing all that we can to teach our kids the truth. Let's not minimize uh, the racial tension. Let's not whitewash historical facts in the most equitable way possible. Let's make sure that our children are getting the truth. As adults, as parents, it's on us because they may not get it at school. They may not get it in their history books. They may not get it um, on these all these other crazy YouTube videos and channels and stuff that these kids be watching nowadays. They may not necessarily get it in their relationships at school or with other kids. They're gonna come up, come across different theologies and different ideologies. So we got to equip our kids with the truth, okay, about racism in America, racism in our world. All right, let's do that. All right, I hope that this episode of Urban Ambassadors was helpful. I hope that it was informative. As weird as it is for me to do this podcast and not have a guest and I'm just running my mouth in this empty room feel like I'm talking to myself obviously I know that eventually somebody's gonna listen to this and I hope that you feel like I'm talking directly to you alright it's your boy it's your brother Mr. Andre D. Washington this is Urban Ambassadors I love you God bless you 